The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and CDW. Pleasure. Good evening, everybody. Welcome in. Bears All Access. Happy Thursday night, everybody. With my broadcast partner from WBBM, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, Mr. Tom Thayer, back with us. And coming up at our next segment, and for most of the show, we'll be joined by our special guest each week, Sirius XM NFL radio host Jim Miller, the former Bears quarterback. Special guest tonight, bottom of the hour, local product, former NFL player, and a really outstanding analyst. At the ESPN national level, Matt Bowen will join us as well. Tom, good evening. How you feeling? Big Jeff, you know, I'm confused. And I know we're 14, we're 14 days away from the draft. And the more draft information I ingest, I get more confused about the actuality of this draft. Because you talk <laughs> about every different line of, you know, uh, how, what, how people, the mock drafts and everything. And then I see Charlie Casserly today say Justin Fields is going to go 24th to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, yeah, well, for months, I, for months uh, right. though, Jeff, I see how quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, four for the first time in the draft. So now, 14 days before the draft, is he going to be the next Aaron Rodgers? Is well, he going to be the next, you know, falling? you know, falling quarterback that, that sinks? Or is it going to be a guy like Mac Jones? So the more information I try to adjust, the more confused I get. Well, it, it all begins with this premise, though. What is your feeling as a, as a former NFL player and now, uh, as you call yourself, a football describer, uh, as an analyst, how serious do you take all of these mock drafts? Because I, I hope you don't. Well, I don't take them serious, though, but it's the huge discrepancy in between one week when they do their mock, their first mock draft, and then a couple weeks later they do the, their third mock draft. And then these more of these quarterback days that I sit here and watch, I, I, they don't impress me. I don't get overexcited about what a quarterback can do with no one else on the field other than them and a receiver. No matter who it is, I'm talking about all the candidates here. I'm not picking on Justin Fields. I'm talking about each and every one of them. So, like I said, in, in even watching the big defensive edge rusher, which is a term I've learned to hate this, this pre-draft uh, information is the edge. This, this, the big guy from Miami who doesn't have a great deal of experience, but now they're trying to elevate him because they get a chance to look at him on the field with no shirt on and the way he runs through drills. Listen, Jeff, running through drills is nothing like playing the game of football. So, again, I, I'm really looking forward to the draft because I know I'm going to be more confused next week when you say, hey, what's up? I'm going to No, you know what? Answer. You're not going to be confused. You know why? Because you're going to sit there. You've been watching your, your the best way you can without watching the All-22 tape. You've been watching, guys, and what happens on tape is the 99% of what you're going to evaluate these guys with, not because – these guys may have opted out and chiseled up their body to show off with their shirt off uh, on a pro day 40. So don't get uh, my advice to you, my good friend, is don't get agitated. These are there's so many draft analysts out there. Rely on what every scout in the National Football League and hopefully every general manager and coach relies on. 
your instincts and your eyeballs, Tom. That's it. That's it, yeah. The, I have funny. to pass the eye test. It's funny you say that because last night I was watching some information about some of these NFL-ready players that were working out. This is the all-physique draft. I know it started with the big receiver from Seattle when he walked in to meet Pete Carroll and took his shirt off before he entered in. DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. So when I look at these guys this year, it's, it's some of the most impressive physiques of football players that I've ever seen. But I've seen a lot of great football players that haven't had that impressive of a physique. So, again, it'll be interesting to see how we, we see this draft in a couple years because it's not going to be – you're not going to get a team a grade after the draft. It's going to be about where are these guys two years, three years down the road. Well, most importantly, where, where is their health at? That's a big part of this, too, making sure they're okay. Uh, but your guy, Quinn Miners, the, the Wisconsin Whitewater product, threw up 33 on the bench today. He had a pro day, so that was the only thing he had left to do. So he probably solidified himself as uh, a higher-end first, uh, I mean, uh, second-day draft pick than uh, or early third-day draft pick. But a good-looking guard center. Look like they're going to project him to play center. Uh, and you were kind of interested about him. We'll break all that down, Tom. You kind of dap yourself down a little bit. I know you're all worked up. That's a great way. You're like the Tim Anderson of the show. You know, he's back in. The White Sox shorts up. Add some juice to to the story, you know. That's what you're doing for tonight's show. And I appreciate that very much. I know our listeners do, too. A fired-up Tom Thayer is the best. I watched every pitch of the no-hitter last night. so That was something else, wasn't it? (laughs) That's topic number two. Yeah, that was something else. A lot to discuss. One pack, some of it with Jim Miller. Coming up next, this is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Welcome back, everybody, to Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Fine folks, choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world, a better show when Jim Miller drops in. Our analyst and former Chicago Bears quarterback leading that 0-1 unit to the playoffs. Got a great nugget this week, Big Jim, on Marty Booker. I threw Tom's wife, saw it on Twitter. <laughs> your guy, your guy, Marty, Marty. Booker. Yeah, you Marty know, was and, the best, man. Right, he was. We talked about him on this show before, but Julian Edelman, and his retirement and the idea that, you know, I don't know if you guys talked about it on SiriusXM NFL Radio. We host a show with Pat Kerwin, Moving the Chains, every weekday uh, about a potential Hall of Fame. But they, I, I don't, I think it was, I think it was CBS on football or somebody came up with the stat line of Marty's career and Edelman. I threw it at Tom and I said, who, what, what former Bear receiver does this remind you of? And Tom nailed it. He said, Marty Booker, who actually scored more touchdowns than Edelman. I didn't play yeah. as many playoff games, nor did he win a Super Bowl or be an MVP. But it was just a nice little comparison. He was a heck of a receiver. Oh, Marty was a terrific receiver. He was absolutely fearless going over the middle, had big play potential all around him. And once he, you know, he shed a little weight and got even in faster. But uh, Marty was a terrific athlete. Uh, I don't think people realize he could throw a football like 80 yards, uh, just a uh, really laid back guy, but worked extremely hard. You know, he has that, just that Southern laid back attitude. Oh boy, he would get, once he put that helmet on, man, he turned into Superman out there. Awesome. 
you know, Marty Booker was kind of the old generation style of receivers that it wasn't necessarily your 40 time. It was like, what type of physical presence did you bring downfield? Could you go up and catch a ball even though there was a, a defensive back in your face? What type, of, what type of courage and presence did you have across the middle? And I thought Marty Booker, throughout his time here with the Bears, he got the most out of his gifted ability. And um, he had huge hands. He had the ability to take footballs away from defensive backs. And um, I think he got he got the best out of his career. And when Jeff brought up the similarity in the numbers, because the first narrative after Edelman did retire was the Hall of Fame. Is he going to be is he a Hall of Fame candidate? And so when Jeff brings up those types of numbers, yeah, the the one side of it, you know, Marty didn't have the side of it of success that Edelman had. However, in comparison of performance, Marty Booker was everything that Julian Edelman was. Hey, uh, Jim, I need you to help me out, help our friend here, because he started the show with a lather. I don't know if you heard. He started with a lather, man. He's getting irritated with all the different mock drafts. He doesn't understand how, you know, Justin Fields could be pick 24, according to Charlie Casherly today. So will you please tell him it's just an exercise and fun, you know, because, yes, there's not a lot of – there's some that have an idea – and a range of where guys are going to fall based on what they hear from teams. But there's a lot of mistruths out there, a lot of rumors. But I think Tom, uh, Tom needs a little, uh, I don't know what, you need a little, you need a little bit more uh, direct information from the people in the league that know, to know well, what's going on. All that, in, all that misinformation is, is out there and some of it's planted, you know, it, it's just like the other day The you know, it's, it's somewhat, you know, about Justin Fields not being a worker and supposedly he's the last one in the building last one leave and I kind of when I heard that one uh you know I I kind of laughed about it because it was Justin Fields of Ohio State who actually got the Big Ten to play football last year right he's the one that got everybody together to push it over the goal line to even get the Big Ten to to play so he cares about football tremendously but I I think there's just a lot of nonsense out there and probably the the funniest mock draft I saw was Kyle Pitts falling out of the top 10 uh, as a tight end from Florida, which there's no way that's going to happen. So you definitely have to be leery of what's going on out there right now. You know, one thing that Casserly did say that I, I think is right, if when you look at Joe Burrow last year going to Cincinnati to a, a porous offensive line and then getting injured in the long run and how much abuse he took during the season, is Cincinnati closer to a Super Bowl then he said Justin Fields is going to go 24th to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's a good organization, and they have a track record of success unlike a lot of others. And so maybe it would be better for Justin Fields to go to Pittsburgh than it would be to one of the top teams that are in desperate need of a quarterback. So that is the one you know, uh, thing that I said, wow, you know, maybe he's not wrong, and maybe this is the best thing for Justin Fields. Well, if he's going to drop that far, then Matt Nagy was at his workout yesterday, uh, the second workout. So, Jim, don't let him go past 20. Yeah, I, I would think so. I don't see him getting out of the top 10 uh, yeah. for Justin Fields. I mean, his numbers were off the charts. Uh, he's got the big wins against a top-ranked team. You know, he if you go back and look at uh, he and uh, – uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor obviously has more games than him under his belt, but base, basically their wins against top competition are the same. Um, I do question his fumbles. That's probably one issue I have about Justin Fields. He's got 12 fumbles 
in two years. So that's like Sam Darnold territory, but Sam still went high uh, to the Jets. But unfortunately, as, as Tom mentioned, when you're getting drafted that high, you're getting drafted by bad teams. There's not a lot, a lot around you. You know, even look at Cincinnati this year. Yeah, they've been active in free agency, but is there enough uh, around Joe Burrow that they're still not going to finish fourth in their division in the AFC North? I mean, with Baltimore and Pittsburgh and now the emergence of Cleveland, I mean, if they get to 8-8, eight and eight, you would think uh, Cincinnati is making strides just because they're bad teams that need to put a lot of, lot of good pieces around their young quarterbacks in order to build them. And unfortunately, that wasn't in place last year, and, and Joe Burrow got hurt and couldn't finish the season. I got a question for both of you. And, and Tom, just from all, you know, your degrees of separation from so many people that have played from the USFL, from Notre Dame uh, to, to your NFL career with the Bears and Jim being with multiple teams and now making this a career for yourself. And, and one of the names that have popped into my head, because, you know, Jerry Angelo always used to say, you got to have a plan. Whenever you draft, you better have a plan for that player. And but that plan has to include, is particularly at the quarterback position, that you put enough assets around somebody. You just can't send the guy out there, and think I don't care who it is, and think he's just going to make everybody better. Those number of quarterbacks you can fit on your thumb in the history of the game. Period. Uh, but I think of a guy like David Carr. So in your respective views of him as a player, Tom and Jim, I'm sure you interviewed him many times. I mean. Would that guy's career have turned out differently if he was protected? Because I can't recall a quarterback that took more of a beating in his first several years in Houston than David Carr, and it kind of ruined him. I mean, well, or, you know, am I wrong in that analysis? You're right, because the first player they picked was Tony Baselli in, in the expansion draft, and then they never drafted an offensive lineman above the third round when he was there with Houston. So you're exactly right. They never surrounded him with the protection that he needed in order to have – the the you know add the competitiveness of the quarterback position or be safely protected or being able to be an asset where he, you know he had better opportunities to distribute the ball so when you think about Joe Burrows in Cincinnati and you talk about that offensive tackle from Oregon uh, uh, Sewell. Sewell yeah see now I look at film of him today and he's got a harness on his left shoulder. So if he's going to be a career left tackle and he's already got a harness on his left shoulder in college, is his left shoulder okay? Because if his left shoulder is not up to the abuse that it's going to have to put forth when you're playing that position, are you already bringing in damaged goods? So if you're going to get a quarterback, you better bring in players that are healthy and ready to go from the moment they get there to kind of grow throughout their career together. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, you look at Sam Darnold. I mean, look at all these first-round quarterbacks that are now in new homes, whether it's Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, uh, Sam Darnold's the most recent where they don't want to put the fifth-year option and they end up trading him uh, to Carolina. Sam Darnold did not have a lot of help and a lot of talent around him uh, for the New York Jets, which historically they've had some bad teams as of late so they've got a lot of work to do there because it looks like they're going to be drafting another quarterback again but they're better suited with all the assets that they have uh to put uh you know put some good talent around whether it's zach wilson or fields or whoever whatever quarterback they select at least now they've got some assets where they can add to their team as for david carr i thought it was a little bit of both because i remember watching tape on david carr uh, for for houston and he for me he struggled going through his reads a lot of times he wouldn't get from one to two. He locked down his receivers. Then he'd be getting sacked. 
the ball wouldn't be getting out of his hands. So I think there was a little bit of both going on where the offensive line was getting thrown under the bus uh, for the Houston Texans when some of that was on the quarterback as well, who didn't develop and mature over time, but maybe got shell-shocked. I don't know. Jim, let me ask you a question. Throughout your career in the NFL, did you have a time frame within your head that you knew that you had to get rid of the ball? It may be when a guy like David Carr that knew he didn't have those four seconds or whatever your number is in your head, that he's thinking, oh, my God, I don't have time to get to my third read because I I know I'm going to get hit here soon. So can that affect a quarterback's development throughout his career if he knows he only has that 2.2 2.2 seconds rather than the number that you're going to give me. Yeah. Yeah. Every play, at least pass plays, they're going to have a rhythm to it. You know, where you, where you're, when you're dropping back and you're already going through your reach, say it's a seven step drop. I'm already dropping. Say it's, I'll just call the arbitrary play. Let's call 82 X in. Let's just call zero strong 82 X in X is on the end cut. Z's on the post uh, tight end is dragging across the, uh, the field to the opposite hash and then your backs, your backs are really just checking wide. All right, it's a basic play in football. You know, when I'm dropping back and I see maybe the free safety, say it's a single high safety, and I see the safety creeping towards the X in, I'm already off of that X in. Or if the Will Backer's dropping deep, I'm already on to my second read. All right, my second read's going to be uh, my tight end, you know, where I'm going to check it down to my tight end. Or say if that free safety comes over, I may pump that post route as my second read. And I know I'm going deep because that free safety has now crept over trying to take away the in cut. Now my front side post route should be open. So by the time I hit my seventh step, all this is being processed. If it's all covered, then I'm just going to hit one of my, uh, probably my weak side uh, check wide by the, the running back. So by the time I hit my fifth step, or my seventh step, excuse me, I hitch and that ball is out. That's the timing of that play. All that has to be digested during your drop not at the top of your drop, during your drop, in order to get that ball out of your hand. And some guys just don't process it, process all that information uh, quickly enough. It takes time. You get better at it uh, over time the more you do and the more you understand defenses where you get that ball out of your hand. So every play is going to take on, you know, have its own timing to it of when that ball needs to come out. X's and O's with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. We're going to take a break. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by Matt Bowen. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon, our good friend Anthony Adams, and our equally good friend Lawrence Greeden, cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night. 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago. Watch anytime at ChicagoBears.com or on the Bears official app. Moments away from Matt Bowen joining the program. All right, Jim, here's one for you and Tom. Take quarterbacks out of the first round of the draft. Who would be the first three picks of the draft in your in your respective opinions if it was not a quarterback? And I'm going to start with Jim. Um, yeah, I'd probably say Kyle Pitts, uh, the, the tight end from Florida, would probably go – uh, first, and then I'd probably say Jamar Chase, uh, the LSU wide receiver, would go second, and then I'd probably say Penny Sewell, the Oregon tackle. So we're sticking on the offensive line. There's never been a tight end drafted number one overall, and a wide receiver last time I think it was Keyshawn Johnson, Tom, in '96. And as it is, there may not be a defensive player with the quarterbacks and the, and the names he just mentioned that will be picked until you know possibly after 10, 11, 12. So. 
Who are your Who are your top three? No quarterback. Um, you know, as, as reluctant as I am to go with Sewell because I need to see his health and his structure, I like him, like Jim said, with the first pick at the at the tackle position. Um, wow, it's kind of a – you know, I, I you know Jeff, honestly, I would probably go offensive line across the board. Top three? Um, yeah. So you um, got a little Jim I, Finks in you. You got a little Jim uh, Finks yeah, in you. I, I do, but, you know – if, if if I had if I had that Aaron Donald out there and and again I kind of under I underdrafted when he came out of college but his performance obviously speaks for itself. If there was that kind of dominator at that position, I'd have to think there. But I would have to go offensive line across the board, depending upon what my quarterback position looks like. Not saying I would pick a quarterback, but I need protection for my quarterback. All right, so I'm assuming, yeah, and I, I would throw with Sean Slater in there of Northwestern as yes. one of my top three. I'd have to do one of the receivers, but Jim, I can't, I can't decipher which one. Waddle, Devontae Smith, Chase. Thir- I mean, my goodness, you can't go wrong. And I definitely, and maybe this would burn both of us, but I would definitely put Kyle Pitts as the number one pick. He just seemed. Tom shaking his head. More man hours lost at the tight end position, but this guy, he doesn't even seem like a tight end. He just seems like. A skill player, period. Well, you know the 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 tight end in Oakland, Darren Waller, or, or in Las yeah. Vegas. How, you see how what he's been able to do for the Raiders and the development of his career, in turn, more to a, an explosive, thick receiver than a really blocking tight end. So if you're going after Pitts, he, you're looking at the one dimension, and that's him performing like a big-time receiver. If you're going to go to a three-tight-end package, if you're going to a goal-line short-yardage offense, don't include him at the point of attack because that's not the type of guy that is going to extend his career. That's not what he's going to be in the NFL for. Jim, can Pitts block? Uh, I think the effort is there, and he'll get better at blocking, but that's the thing with Pitts, what's good about him. You know, if you split him out and flex set him, a linebacker has to walk out of the box. So there's one less guy in there where you can run the football, where he create he now has created space just as his threat as a receiver. Um, so I think the effort is there, but he's a chess piece. You're going to move all over the field is what he is. He's got freakish numbers, uh, unbelievable wingspan. His yards after the catch is ridiculous uh, with what he provides, and He's definitely a mismatch out on the field, whether it's, you know, if you do walk him out and flex him, like I said, if you try to bring a safety uh, in to cover him, good luck with that. He'll he'll run right past these guys or a linebacker trying to cover him. It's an absolute mismatch with the physically what he's able to do. Maybe it'd be be better with a tap next to a tackle if he's putting his hand in the dirt on a three-point stance. But as it is, he has a chance to be the first tight end taken in the top five, Tom and Jim, in 50 years. Can you name one of them? Riley Riley Odoms. Remember Riley Odoms, Tom, when you were growing up? Denver Broncos. All right, let's switch gears, fellas, and welcome in our guest here for about 15 minutes or so. Pleased to be joined by our good friend Matt Bowen, who uh, had a very good NFL career and does his work now for ESPN National and uh, also uh, does some prep football coaching here in the area, Tom and Jim, uh, as we welcome in Matt Bowen. Matt, I know this is uh, probably not ideal for you, uh, because you are swamped right now. you got a lot of balls in the air. But how are things going? Things are going well. You know, obviously we're playing a spring football season. And I'll tell you what, Jeff, I got you on the phone. St. Francis High School, and they got us in week one. And Coach McMillan is doing an excellent job there. Since we're talking about the draft, quarterback Tommy Rittenhouse, 
We yeah. talk about all these traits in the draft. He is a Zach Wilson of Illinois high school football. No I'll tell you what, his movement ability, his ability to throw off platform. I know it's his quarterback coach, Greg Holcomb, out here in the western suburbs. But a lot of credit to St. Francis. They got us in week one and Coach McMillan. But the, our team has really developed. It's been a fun season. And just to have the kids back on the field, the mental boost that they got, and I'll tell you what, the mental boost I got from being back yeah. coaching, not having the opportunity to do it in the fall. So it's a positive for everyone. You get to play football. The seniors get to, you know, put the pads on for a couple more weeks. It's all, it's all positive. And you're over at IC over there in Elmhurst, and uh, you, you do a great job there. And the reason he brought it up, my daughters are St. Francis graduates, and that, that family of Tommy's is an uh, outstanding athletic family. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you were supposed to invite me to that game. I was going to patrol the sidelines <laughs> with you, buddy, and I, 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 I saw it two week, the score two weeks later. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Hey, we, we'll, we will play in Wheaton <laughs> next year, so I will invite you on our sidelines when we go out to Wheaton next year to play France. Sounds good. <laughs> hey, Matt, be careful of the Hilltoppers. They put 49 on Carmel Mundelein last week, so just to you know, keep your head on the swivel. Hey, Matt, so we're just, talk, we're just talking about Pitts, the tight end from Florida, mm-hmm. and you know, every, you, every, we've all heard enough positive information. Is, is there a safety in the NFL that can cover them, or how would, you, how would you fit this guy into your defensive game plan? I think it would be extremely tough. I mean, that is a, a huge matchup advantage. You know, you're going to need someone with coverage traits uh, who can roll down from, and play over the slot or flex out wide with them. You know, someone like a Minka Fitzpatrick comes to mind. But you're going to need a high-level talent to match up to him. And when I look at Kyle Pitts, I look at him as a movable, movable piece in your offense. Yes, we know he can play the tight end position and work the middle of the field. But how I would utilize him, guys, is almost like a wide receiver. He has wide receiver traits at six foot six, two hundred forty six pounds, with four four speed. He can be your backside X receiver in three by one sets. You can put him in the slot, and he can separate vertically on those third level throws. And more importantly, I think when you get into the red zone, especially the low red zone, I call that the ten yard line and end. That creates a lot of matchup issues for your defense because everyone wants to play man coverage in that area of the field. Everyone wants to challenge receivers at the line of scrimmage. Well, you have to have someone that can match up to the fade and all the inbreakers they run in today's NFL. And that's why I think he is going to be a top 10 pick and maybe even a top five pick because of that matchup ability and the traits he brings to the field. Yeah, it could go as early as four uh, with Atlanta. We'll see what happens there with that Atlanta pick. Always good to talk to you, Matt. Um, in terms of the top DBs, Coming out, I mean, I love J.C. Horn, the, the South Carolina. Obviously, these guys, they've got bloodlines to the NFL. And Patrick Sertan right. out of Alabama. But, I mean, because it looks like with the quarterbacks going, then you've got some skill position players with those receivers, and then it will start to get to, into defense. So whether it's the cornerback, Sertan, or J.C. Horn, or even Micah Parsons from Penn State, you know, who do you think potentially would be the first defensive player off the board? That's a great question, Jim. And I, I, you know, I think it would be at the cornerback position. I think it'd be Sertan. That's would be, be my bet because he's a prototype for the position right now. And look, everyone, even zone heavy teams, like we just talked about, there are certain situations you want to play, man. Everyone wants to play, man, but you need yeah. the guys who can do it. And with Sertan, you know, 6'2", 208, he's got explosive traits. He can play press coverage. What I love about him is how he's coached at Alabama because he's a complete player at the position. You know, he brings a physical play style. I think he's a tone setter at the cornerback position. He's going to set an edge in the run game. If I'm a secondary coach, I want that. I mean, I really want that in the room because I can play press man. I can play cover two with him. We know he can play cover three, but I know when that ball bounces outside, 
He's going to go make a play. And I think that brings energy to your secondary. You need to put that, that stuff on tape for other teams to see in the league. But it ultimately comes down to the coverage traits, and I think they're high end. Just like J.C. Horn, Jimmy brought up J.C. Horn, another press man corner. He's got length. He's, he's physical, ultra-competitive in coverage. And you can win with that in an NFL secondary. Matt Bowen, our guest here on Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Matt, working for ESPN, does a tremendous job breaking down tape and explaining the game of football to each and every one of us, from the diehards to the average fan. Uh, Because we're putting you in a scout's mode, as I am with Jim and Tom, for that matter, uh, what's been complicating your process this year? Because certainly... Uh, there are challenges. We had the combine last year. We we had pro days last year. This this year we did not. The pro days are were were, were generally very different, and you only saw X number of players. As you're looking, obviously, because the first and second days of your responsibilities and all of ours are about the big names, the the top 64 players in our minds. But then the rest of it is also analyzed. So has that been challenging for you? I think in certain positions are because. You know, you do want the testing numbers, right? Everyone wants the testing numbers because it's comparable data. That's what it is. I mean, it's historical data to look back at those specific positions. And I think there are still a couple stopwatch positions. You know, it's mainly wide receiver and corner. You know, as a safety, if you have a safety that runs a 4-6 and plays at a 4-5 clip on tape, you're fine. You know, that, that's perfectly fine. But at the cornerback position, you're looking for that long speed, that recovery speed. And obviously a wide receiver – especially in today's NFL with the passing game, how it is looking for guys that can stretch the field and run after the catch. So not having those numbers from Indy is a little tougher. Now we're getting pro day numbers. As you guys have seen, these numbers are blazing fast. <laughs> They're crazy. They're blazing fast. And I'll tell you, I ran much faster in my pro day, Jeff. And the reason why there was a tornado off of I-80 in the summer and we had a bubble and it blew the bubble away. Okay. So that it was old AstroTurf. So it sat in the sun all summer. That was the fastest track I've ever run out in my life. So, of course, I ran faster at home than I did in Indy. So you always have to look at pro day times um, and understand that they're not going to be the same as, that, as they are in Indy. But really, this year, guys, just about watching tape. That's what it has to be. It has to be about watching tape. That's what I do for ESPN is this is all going to be based on, on tape evaluation. So not having those numbers, what I do think it, it forces you to do is study players more and try to get a feel for what type of game speed or play speed they have. Hey Matt, when you let's let's look back to the Super Bowl for a minute because I'm really enamored with what Todd Bowles did against the Kansas City offense. So do you think when you're evaluating players, whether on the offensive side of the ball, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, now defensive coaches have in mind that type of effort that they put forth against one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Do you think that's going to change the philosophical thinking about the type of athletes they want to have on defense? Because the defense was in control of that offense. That offense was never in control of Todd Bowles' defense. I agree, Tom. And I think it's a great point because uh, I think everyone in the league obviously looks at the Super Bowl champion and says, what do they do? What do they do from a roster construction standpoint? And, and what type of players are they putting in their system? It's the same thing we're doing our matchup draft shows. We, we look at the Super Bowl champion and say, okay, that is going to really you know, create a path in terms of how people draft this, this April. And I'll tell you one thing. What I believe you get from that football game, one, defensive linemen, Tom, who have versatile traits, okay, can line up in different techniques, whether it's a nose, a three technique, a five, or deep outside defensive end. Multiple fronts. 
and we did that on the matchup show all last year. There's so many more multiple fronts in today's league because you're trying to scheme one-on-one. You're trying to occupy a guard or a tackle, a lot of twists and loops, slants and stunts inside, and then the second-level speed. I think that's so important. With Devin White and Levante Dave in that Tampa defense, the linebackers who can get sideline to sideline, can cut off the edge in the run game and have that pursuit speed and also can drop back into coverage underneath. And then the secondary, I, I think this is where the NFL is going. It's going more split safety heavy, like we see here in Chicago with the Bears. A lot of quarters, cover two, cover six, which is quarter, quarter, and then a half. Because I think, one, it allows you to have defensive backs on top of vertical routes down the field. It also allows you to cut the middle of the field. You take those safeties like we've seen so many times with Eddie Jackson and cut those in breakers and crossers. So what you're trying to do there, obviously pressure the quarterback. That has never changed. But obviously in the secondary is close that middle of the field and limit explosive plays. Because if you're going to beat Kansas City, you're going you're to give up some plays throughout the game. I think that's how defensive coordinators have to think now is we're not going to completely limit an offense. But can we limit the big plays down the field? And I think that's why you're seeing more split safety coverage. My next one is going right to the quarterbacks. I don't know how much work you've done on Trey Lance. I'm struggling mm-hmm. with this player from North Dakota State because, you know, the most he's thrown a ball in a game is basically about 20 times. Uh, we know he's only got 19 starts. He certainly runs a lot. Is very athletic. Watched his pro days. Believe he can drive the ball and all that. But you want to know what, Matt? Like you said about watching tape, I've never seen him in a two-minute drill. You know, I've never seen him line up shotgun and make every throw you need to make with no timeouts and drive a team 80 yards because they basically North Dakota State has dominated everybody. I, I do believe he's draft worthy, but man, he, there are some raw spots uh, to this player that I'm struggling with. Well, I think what you're getting at there, Jim, and I agree with you, is that lack of reps too. 17 career college games, all versus FCS competition as well. I did write a report on him. One thing I wrote in there, Jim, was limited game reps versus FCS-level competition, didn't see consistent NFL situations like you're talking about, right? You didn't mm-hmm. see consistent NFL situations, whether it's the pocket he's thrown from or specific game situations. I think with someone like Trey Lance, you have to really project the traits and draft the traits and bet on those traits. And this is, you know, not as similar, but I made this mistake last year with Justin Herbert. As I watched the film, Jim, I said I had some concerns in the film. I concerned yeah. about the offensive structure in Oregon. Would it translate? the NFL but in terms of the traits Justin Justin Herbert you know the physical tools the physical traits the arm talent the ability to move and now you put him in a schemed up pro offense and we saw what happened during his rookie season so I think with Trey Lance maybe not an immediate starter in his rookie season but again you're projecting out and saying okay we take this player who has the high level traits and put him in our system and develop him then we have a future starter that can win a lot of games for us Matt Bowen, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joni. A couple more for you if you got some time, Matt. Uh, so if you were looking at the entire quarterback class, no matter the round, and if the Bears are inclined to do that and draft a quarterback with their available picks, what would be your recommendation or suggestion based on the tape you've seen of this class that would fit what they want to do? Right. Well, I think, you you know, drafting at number 20, unless you make a major move, which we never know, guys, could happen to move up. If if someone slides out of that top 10, because that's sometimes how the draft works, and the Bears have to move up and get them. Let's say they don't. Let's say that all five of these quarterbacks go in the top 10, top 12 area. And the Bears are probably looking at day two of the draft, right? That's what I would expect. You know, the player I like there is Davis Mills from Stanford. 
You know, yes. Davis Mills is a former five-star recruit, and he has traits. You know, we, I've said this before, and people say, well, high school rankings don't matter. I understand that, but the traits do. And if you're graded as a five-star recruit, it's being done for a reason. Now, he's not a high-level mover. He's more of a pocket thrower. But in terms of his arm talent, that's where you see the high-level traits. He can throw with anticipation location. He has enough arm talent to tack all levels of the field. Didn't play a bunch in college. I think he only has 13 career starts. But, again, you're drafting out. You have Andy Dalton as your schedule started this year. You're drafting, projecting for the future. But I do think the Bears have to look at the quarterback in this draft because if you don't, then we're getting into a situation when you're living year to year at that position. I think it's tough to develop a team. It's tough to develop a consistent winner when you're living year to year. You want to have someone you can develop under your coaching, your coaching staff, your infrastructure within the building that you believe you can maximize those traits. And again, like I said with Davis Mills, not an elite mover, but can he run boot? Of course he can. Can he, can he learn to navigate a pro pocket? Sure he can with reps and coaching. But what you can't coach is the arm tip. You just can't coach those. They're uncoachable traits. So that's one player I look at if the Bears go quarterback on day two. And I think that's the range for Davis Mills. But that would be my pick. Hey, Matt, if the Bears brought in a new safety, uh, to, uh, they need a starting safety. What has to happen going down the road for Eddie Jackson? And is he, is he in the position that he's going to play throughout his career? Or can they bring in a safety that has quality traits if they have to move Eddie Jackson around, even though a new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, but they also have help and advice from Mike Pettin. Yeah, I think bringing in Mike Pettin is important. Uh, I really agree with that. You know, getting another voice in there, an experienced voice in there for a young defensive coordinator, everyone needs help. We all understand that. Uh, when you're starting off at a new position and running an entire defense. But, look, Eddie Jackson has proven before he, he can make plays in the football. He has dynamic playmaking ability. Dynamic traits, ball skills. There's no question about that. So if I'm a coach in that situation, I have to find out what allows him to get back to that level. Is it a way he's coached? Is it a certain coverage he likes to play in certain game situations? I would sit down with Eddie and say, okay, tell me. Let's go back to 2018. Let's watch that film again. And, and you tell me why you made all these plays. What were you seeing with your eyes? Why were you aggressive here? Why did you take this angle? I would go through all those big plays with him and say, okay, how can we recreate that in our defense? But I do think the Bears, opposite Eddie, need an answer to that. There's no question about that. Because you want Eddie to play back, you know, back from the line of scrimmage. You want Eddie to have that forward – I use the term forward ability, guys, when you're playing split safety coverage. That's Eddie's ability to drive extremely quick on the football and use his eyes and make plays. That's that forward ability. We know Eddie also has range. They're not going to be in split safety all the time. They're going to be in single high cars. So you need that safety opposite Eddie that also brings a physical element to the box. Someone who will tackle in the run game. Someone will cut off the ball in the run game. Someone that can match the tight ends underneath. So you have your playmaker over the top of the defense. A lot of teams use that rock and roll where both got to be interchangeable up in mm-hmm. there. And, you know, I, I really liked Sean Gibson last year. He hasn't been re-signed by the Bears, but right. maybe some safeties that stick out in your mind. I know Richie Grant, I kind of fell in love with the UCF uh, safety down in Mobile with uh, what he showed, but uh, maybe some of your safeties that you're really liking as the draft approaches here, Matt. Uh, Jim, I agree about Richie Grant. And Richie Grant is a former two-star recruit, does not have high-level traits. He's a football player. I mean, you saw it down the senior bowl. You can see it on tape. He can play as a split safety. He can bring that physical element to the run game. He's got much better coverage ability than I expected. When you're talking about safety coverage ability, the ability to cover down, 
You know, if you're bringing pressure, you're playing number three to trips, very patient with his footwork, keeps his shoulders square, got some short area speed to close in the football. I'm very impressed with Richie Grant. Jamar Johnson from Indiana. I watched his tape last week, and obviously Indiana had a great season. Jamar Johnson is ideal for the Bears defense in terms of schematic fit because he plays quarters. He plays the deep hat. Um, he's got the ability to play underneath as well. And I think you need to have that ability, in your, you know, in your base and your sub packages to have that safety with your overhang defender, can drop the curl, match the inside verticals. Another name I'll, I'll mention, Andre Sisco from Syracuse. He was coming off an injury. But Andre Sisco had 13 interceptions in basically two college seasons. That's a ton. That is a ton. And anyone who's played defense knows those things don't just fall from the sky. I wish they did. I mean, I would have a lot more. But, you know, they don't just fall from the sky. So you have to create those. He's got excellent range, ball skills, got an NFL frame. And those are three safeties in terms of schematic fit with the Bears that I would look at. Cisco coming off an ACL six feet, five and a half, uh, five and an eighth, 216. Uh, could be a top 100 selection. All right, I got to ask the last thing. We'll let you go. Appreciate the time very much. Uh, so, you know, I looked it up. You ran a four five one at the combine. What'd you run on your pro day? Well, I told you, Jeff, it was because of the turf. So, at the turf, at my pro day, I ran a four three nine. Four three nine. Oh it's my god! You. You, you better, you better be teaching that stuff on Friday night. Uh, Tommy's playing Bishop Bishop McNamara on Friday night. So, good luck. All right, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt Bowen from ESPN. Our guests will take a break back with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer after this on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Final moments with our guest, Jim Miller. Before we let you go, uh, Jim and Tom Thayer with us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. So I think, what now, about uh, 10, 10 teams through the NFLPA uh, taking a stance on next week's start to the off-season program, uh, a portion, or as it was described in the release by the NFLPA, a majority of the Bears locker room choosing to not participate in in-person voluntary workouts, uh, frankly, in the name of safety during the, the still this COVID uh, situation. As ex-players, the both of you weigh in on that and how you feel about what, what is uh, taking place there. Well, I'd be going into work. I don't, I don't know how Tom feels, you know, with, some guys are going to be bubble guys where they know it's going to be tough to make the team every year. And they're going to want to be a part of that participation. Not to mention that if you get hurt, you know, it's better to be hurt at the facility where you'll be covered by the bears. Cause you've got the whole support system there. And if I'm a player who definitely has a workout bonus, I'd be the first one on the, uh, uh, on the phone line calling JC Treader saying, uh, is the NFLPA going to cut me my hundred thousand uh, dollar bonus check for, for workouts? Uh, I'd like to know that because if you don't, I'll be going into work. And J.C. Treader is the NFLPA president, Tommy. I never felt I had job security where I could stay away from the facility. If the doors were open, I was there. And I would have that same kind of mentality right now. When Jim talked about Justin Fields got the Big Ten to play football, I would be one of the guys that would want to do things safely, but I would want to encourage the improvement of my football team through the camaraderie of the weight room and the training staff. So I, I kind of in the same uh, boat Jim is in. All right. Uh, so the voluntary phase expected to start four weeks right now, according to the league, will be uh, virtual. And then uh, there will be that time when there will be a mandatory uh, mini camp and uh, some OTAs that also are, are voluntary, but hopefully these guys will get back. I think it hurts the young players the most, and I do agree with Bruce Arians said, you know, the advancement of young players is a challenging uh, 
proposition when this goes on. Jim, wish I had more time. We're going to let you go. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck in your draft prep, buddy. Uh, All right, guys. Always good to be with you. Appreciate it. Jim Miller back with one more segment with Tom before we wrap things up here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Sports. Fresh cut, fresh perspective. Book an appointment with Chicago Bears Small Business All Pros winner, Principal Barbers. Visit principalbarbers.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, wrapping things up before we turn it over to Anthony Heron here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. All right, so it's now official in Atlanta. Cordero Patterson uh, signs with them in free agency. Uh, a really, really good guy. Enjoyed him here, but the threat he brought to the table on special teams, both as a flyer on kickoff and and then when you throw in his, his threat as a kick returner, I'll miss that guy on, on, on game day. Right. You know, through the evaluation of the draft, Jeff, we really rarely talk about special team skills. That's kind of a desire that the player shows the special teams coordinator that he has the willingness to do these types of requirements. In Cordero on kickoff return and a flyer and a punt return, that's pure desire. Skill is when you have to have the fancy footwork to be a cornerback or the innate ability to see where the holes are going to open up as a running back. So when I think of uh, Cordero, I think of a four-position player that you're going to have to have multiple bodies to fit into those places. Opportunities for young guys now in that Bears special yes. teams unit. That's going to wrap us up. Tommy, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks to Tom and Jim Miller and our guest, Matt Bowen, our producer, Julio Roseo as well, along with Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli. Anthony Heron coming up next. We'll talk to you next week on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Have a good night, everybody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.